All right, we're going to be talking about Jesus today. We're going to be talking about the good news. We're going to be talking about there has no separation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So it's going to be awesome today. God, we just love you. We love your word. We love all that you're doing. So, hey, most of our choices in life aren't that big of a deal, honestly. Like, they're not. Sometimes they feel bigger than they are, but a lot of them just aren't. And I'm referring to everything from, like, your coffee selection and, like, how you make your coffee, pour over, drip, 7-Eleven. I know I'm offending some coffee people right now. I'm sorry. But it's just not that big of a deal in the scope of everything, right? So is your ice cream choice. I know. So is a lot of these things. But what is a big deal is what we think about God. That's a huge deal. A.W. Tozer said this, what comes into our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Let me say it again. What comes into your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about us. See, guys, how we see God affects everything in our life for how we deal with pain, for how we deal with loss, for how we deal with setbacks. How we see God actually affects our permission to play in life, to have fun in life, for joy, for laughter, for making mistakes. What you think about God is affecting your life way more than you're even aware of right now. It's affecting everything and how we see. It's like wearing certain kind of glasses, and we all have a lens of how we see him, which affects how we see ourselves, and clearly is affecting how we see our situations that we find ourselves in. Now, I've said this before, but you can't say it enough. When we need to figure out what God looks like, we need to look only one place, and that's the person of Jesus. God looks exactly like Jesus, and Jesus looks exactly like God. Can I get an amen? Come on. John 14 says this, and this is Jesus. He says, if you've seen me, if you've seen me in the earth, you've actually already seen the Father. Hebrews 1 says he's the radiance of the glory, the exact representation of the nature of God. Did you catch that? Jesus isn't a little like God, mostly like God. No, no. He's the exact representation of the very nature of who God is. It's like taking a picture of myself and handing it to you and being like, that's what I look like. You're like, I know you're standing right next to me. I'm like, but I look like that picture. But then they're like, I know, I'm looking at you. You don't look any different than the picture. And Jesus doesn't look any different than the Father. You don't want to get your theology from Job, from some of the Old Testament. Everything was types and shadows until the fullness came, which was Jesus. And then he cleared it all up. This is what God is like. He's the image of God, the exact representation of the nature of God. See, guys, the incarnation was nuts. We will never for all of eternity understand this because it's so out there and outrageous that God would leave the throne, that he would leave the beauty of heaven, the majesty of what's going on up there, and put on flesh, put on an earth suit like us, and walk around. That makes no sense. Guys, most of our problems in life, this is my view, you don't have to agree, boil down to that we don't see God correctly. And I already said it once, which means we're not seeing ourselves correctly. 
You try to figure out who you are apart from figuring out who he is, that's not going to work. You're not going to get there. And then if we can't figure out who he is, how in the world do we think we're seeing situations right and people right and what's happening in our world right? Have you ever tried watching a movie, but you missed the beginning of the movie? Anyone ever had one of those? It's like the first time I watched Inception. I'm like, what is going on? So much confusion. I'm on like round three, and I'm still like, huh. Levels upon levels, dreams upon dreams. Okay, all right, all right. You know, my favorite movie is uh, comedy is What About Bob? I love What About Bob. I've seen it so many times. Bob Wiley. If you don't watch the beginning of What About Bob and understand that guy's got OCD and a lot of other problems, it makes no sense why he's at Dr. Marvin Leon's house, Leo's house, the whole time and trying to get into like his world, into his family. You have to see the beginning of a movie if you're going to understand the middle of the movie, let alone the end of a movie, right? Okay, stay with me. The story of God, the story of this book, it's no different. You have to understand how this thing begins to make sense of the middle that we're in, to make sense of the end. And the first four words in the beginning, this Bible in the beginning, are so important to understanding the whole thing. The first four words are this, in the beginning Hold up. Yeah, God. (laughs) That's the first four words. In the beginning, God. In the beginning was the Father, was the Son, and was the Holy Spirit. In the beginning was family. In the beginning was community. In the beginning was the Trinity. In the beginning was God. And now our story is the wonderful invitation into the life, the Trinitarian life, into the the circle that God had going. Guys, trip out. There's no beginning and there's no end with God, which means I don't care if you have old earth or new earth. This thing might have been going for millions, billions, trillions, Who knows how long before God had this wild idea, let's open up the circle and invite humans into this thing. What they had going on in that love and that connection and that fellowship and that honor and the laughter and the joy, God wasn't lacking. He wasn't like, man, we're lacking now. We got to do something. But then they decided, hey, let's open up this thing and let others into it. Genesis 2 says, let us make man in our image. Come on. And according to our likeness. Did you catch this? Let us make man in our image. Let them look like us. Operate like us. Guys, we're more like God than we realize. Guys, all of our stories began in union. It began in safety Security, oneness, no separation from him. Absolutely no separation. 
And yes, we botched it, right? When Adam went and ate the apple, freaking messed things up. But what really happened when he ate the apple is this was the first time we've ever turned away from God. When we made a mistake, this is the first time that man decided, hey, I'm going to do it this way, even though I've been walking with this incredible God my whole life. I need you guys to stay with me today. I know we're outside. I know we're in the sun. Guys, here's what I'm trying to say. We can't start our Bible in Genesis 3 at the fall. You have to start in the beginning at Genesis 1 with God. I once heard someone say this, before you were lost in Adam, you were found in Christ. Come on. Think about that. Before you were ever lost in Adam, you were found in Christ. We're called lost. How could you lose something if you didn't already have it? How could I go looking for my keys that I lost if I haven't had my keys at one time? Guys, I'm not trying to belittle the fall of Adam and the problem with sin. But I'm trying to point out this. There was a massive solution to all this, and his name is Jesus. It says in 2 Corinthians 5 that God, well, we can't even go there right now with that. Wow, I just had a massive thought come down the line. 2 Corinthians 5, that God in Christ reconciled the world to himself, not counting their sins against them. The actual word is God and Christ reconciled the whole cosmos to himself, not counting people's sins against them. See, guys, we don't move from Adam to Christ. You move from the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit to God in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not counting their sins against them. You don't begin in Adam. You begin in Christ. One of the worst things that went down, guys, at the fall, and we all struggle with it, is that we have, at some degree, and maybe a huge degree, that we're separated from this God. And because you're separated, you know what you do when you, know, when you feel separated? You feel like you got to work your way to God. Study every major religion. Study even a lot of the sermons that are still being spoken in the earth in Christian sermons. It's you got to work your way to get to this God. Instead of seeing in the incarnation, he came down to us. Guys, the lie in our mind says this. God is distant. Therefore, to get his attention, I better go do some stuff. The lie in our mind goes like this. I made a mistake, so surely God is distant. I need to penalize myself. I need to put myself in the penalty box until I'm ready to connect with God. The lie in our mind goes like this. I haven't read my Bible today. I haven't prayed today. So surely God can't work through me. He can't flow through me to others because I'm distant from him. Guys, the root of religion is you're separated from God and now you must 
work your way back to him. Did you catch that? That the root of all religion is you're separated from this God, and now you got to work hard to get back to him. And here's the good news, and I've already said it once, is that God put on flesh. Come on, second person of the Trinity. He puts on flesh. He leaves heaven, and he steps completely into our darkness, confusion, loneliness, brokenness, and he sets up his base camp right in the midst of it. Is anybody still here today? Our God stepped into the complete brokenness of our lives and our humanity, and he sets up his base camp, and he's like, I'm not going anywhere. This is where I belong, which is why he's for never leaving us, and he's never forsaking us. Here's the truth, guys. God has never been afraid of your darkness. You're afraid of it. He's never been like, oh, no, it's too dark. Do you understand in Psalms 139, it says, God, even darkness is light to you. Who is this God that he, our darkness would be light to him? We touch identity towards sin. He never put identity with actions. It's just who you are. See, please don't call it good news if I got to work my way to get to heaven, to earn God's love, to earn God's approval. Please don't call that good news. Just call it something else, but it's not gospel. If I got to have all-star behavior before this God actually accepts me and receives me and loves me, that's not the good news. That's a different gospel, and I believe that's a totally different Jesus. God doesn't love you because you're good. God loves you because he is good. Are we getting this? He doesn't love you because you're good. He actually loves you because he's the good one. When you have a newborn baby, your whole world changes. But you have a stupid love for your kid that you've just met seconds ago. Speaking to the men, women are like, start at right at the beginning. It's like, I already feel attached to this baby. <laughs> for me. Baby comes out, I'm like, wow. It's like a chamber of your heart just opens up. It's like, wow. And then you bring this baby home, and it's crapping everywhere. At first, newborns poop like 10 times a day. It's like, what's going on with you? Crying at night, keeping me up. Changing my whole world. Yet my love for that baby is just ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Would give my life in a heartbeat for that child. Yet it hasn't done a single thing. Where do you think that love originated? Believer or unbeliever, where do you think that came from? God? Yes, correct. And guys, as you get older, and you know, and I've been in enough of your guys' life and done enough counseling in my own life. Hold on one second here. As parents make mistakes, 
parents make huge mistakes sometimes in not being there and not showing the love of God and withholding love, all sorts of problems, moms and dads. But I'll tell you this, you don't want to let the face of your parents go onto the face of God. And you will have to fight that and have to renew your mind with God if you've been through anything with family. But it's so easy to put the face of your parents onto the face of God. And there's only one face that we should be looking at there, and that's, again, Jesus. Are we hearing this? What's most important about us, guys, is what do we believe about God? Because I'll tell you this, the face of God is the face of mercy. It's the face of unconditional love, of acceptance. It's the face of joy. It's the face that says, I'm glad to be with you. It's the face that knows how to laugh and knows how to cry and be with you in that stuff. This is the face of God for all of us. Jesus' last words on the cross. <laughs> you always want to pay attention to like last and first and stuff. But one of his last words is this, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they're doing. Did you catch that? And some of you need to hear that. His last words to you, to me, was, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. And what do we do? We make mistakes, and instead of turning towards God and going towards him, the face of mercy, Bible says in Hebrews 4, it's a throne of grace, not judgment. Instead of going towards him, we do what Adam did. We're no different than Adam. We go this way. We start hiding from God. Do you know what the saddest question in the whole Bible is? Adam, where are you? We will never understand that question at the depth of it when he walked in perfect fellowship with God. The most beautiful person, the most loving, caring, and then God's having to ask Adam. He knows where he's at, obviously. But he wanted Adam to own that. Adam, where are you? Guys, it's easy to see God through your pain, through what you're going through. It's a lot harder sometimes just to see him for who he really is. Everyone knows John 3.16, right? Yep, head nods, great. First John 3.16, we know love by this, that he laid down his life for us. How do we know love? Jesus, Christ and him crucified for you, for me. That's how we know love. I say this to someone because you need to hear it, but be careful putting your brokenness on the face of God. Be careful. God made us in his image, and then we return the favor. You've heard that quote? Do you get that? Cool. You got it. You know, another thing he said right at the end is this, to telestai, which means it is finished. It's done. Guys, we have a choice today to celebrate that we already belong, that we're already included, that he loved us. And hear me out here. Before you even said yes, he said yes to you. I'm messing up some of your theology today. I'm all down for that. 
But before he said, you said a no to God or anything to God, he was already saying yes to you. Guys, I've been brought to tears a few times this week. It doesn't happen often thinking about God. I had one at Kajay. Fortunately, it was early. I was a mess in the corner. I was like, someone's going to see me. Put the hat down lower, Lord. And it's just been over this thing that we all have a seat at the table. Everyone has a seat at the table of God. And our gift back to God is actually to take the seat and enjoy the feast. See, it's called good news for a reason. It's not good news if everyone doesn't have a seat and everyone's not included and invited to this thing. And if we had to do something to get the love of God first, that's not good news. And if I had to say yes to Jesus before he forgave me, that's not good news. Coming to the table is just acknowledging what Jesus already did for you 2,000 years ago. I accepted Christ in 2001 of February. Do you think God loved me less in January of 2001 than he did in February 2001 when I finally said yes to him? Do you think God forgave me more in February of 2001 and less in January of 2001? And do you think God finally was like, Father, Son, Holy Spirit are like, whatever you do, do not interact with Jason until he says yes to us. Do not talk to him. Do not acknowledge him. Pretend like he's barely even there. That God wasn't always interacting with me and always talking to me and always trying to get my attention and faithful to save me many times. Apostle Paul said his life work was helping people to understand and respond to the message. Get that? That might be some of our life work, helping people just to respond that you're already loved, that you already have a seat at the table, that this God's already forgiven you, that he's forever loved you. You were created in Christ Jesus before the world began. I'm going to challenge you guys to stay with this right now, okay? It's easy for our minds to drift, but just stay with what I'm reading to you. You got it? You ready? Okay, I'm going to read you Ephesians 1. And I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I'm going to read a chunk of it. been reading in different versions. This is the message. Clearly communicates what's going on here. How blessed is God. And what a blessing he is. He's the father of our master, Jesus Christ, and takes us to the high place of blessing in him. Check this out. Long before he laid down the earth's foundation, he had us in mind, had settled on us as the focus of his love, to be made whole and holy by his love. Long, long ago, think trillions of years, he decided to adopt us into the family through Jesus Christ. What pleasure he took in planning this. He wanted us to enter into the celebration of his lavish gift-giving by the hand of the beloved son. 
because of the sacrifice of the Messiah, his blood poured out on the cross, we are free people, free from penalties and punishment chalked up by our misdeeds, and not barely free either, abundantly. He thought of everything, provided for everything we can possibly need, letting us in on the plan he took such delight in making. He set it all out before us in Christ, a long-range plan in which everything would be brought together and summed up in him. Everything in the deepest heaven, everything on planet Earth. It is Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had eyes on us, had designed us for glorious living, part of the overall purpose he's working out in everything and everyone. It is in Christ that you once heard the truth and believed it, the message of your salvation, and found yourself home free, signed, sealed, delivered by the Holy Spirit. The signet from God is the first installment of what is coming. A reminder will get everything as he planned for us. If you guys had those amen things, I sure hope you'd be putting them up in the air right now. Yep, let's go. A little out of chapter 2. Please stay with it. It wasn't so long ago that you were mirrored in the old stagnant life of sin. You let the world, which doesn't know the first thing about living, tell you how to live. You filled your lungs with polluted unbelief and then exhaled disobedience. We all did it. All of us doing what we felt like doing when we felt like doing it. All of us in the same boat. It's a wonder God didn't lose his temper and do away with the whole lot of us. Instead, immense in mercy and with incredible love, he embraced us. He took our sin-dead sin, lives and made us alive in Christ. He did this all on his own with no help from us. Did you catch that? He did it all on his own with no help from us. Then he picked us up <laughs> and set us down in the highest heaven in the company with Jesus our Messiah. Now God has us where he wants us, with all the time in the world and the next to shower grace and kindness upon us in Christ. Saving is all his idea and all his work. Someone needs to hear that. Saving is all his idea and all his work. All, <laughs> come on, all we do is trust him enough to let him do it. It's God's gift from start to finish. We don't play a major role. If we did, we'd probably go around bragging that we've done the whole thing. <laughs> so true. No, we neither make nor save ourselves. God does both the making and the saving. He created each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work he has done, the good work that he's gotten ready for us to do, work we had better be doing. So good, huh? <laughs> that's the gospel man it says in 1 Corinthians 1 30 it's by his doing that you are in Christ Jesus how did we get into Christ how did you get into Christ how did I get into Christ by God's doing he placed you in Christ oh. guys I just hope today that somebody got something a little tweaked and that we just let that whole separation go. That we're going to stop trying to live life separated from him. Stop trying to work our way to him. And I think if we're honest, guys, we're all a little bit afraid of his goodness. His love, his joy. I mean, you see this all throughout the Bible. People get when God shows up because he's just so good. 
that it's even hard for us to return back to that. Why? Because we're trying to measure our behavior again, right? We're trying to say, did my report card fit this? Did it make it? When God's just saying, I'm right here. I love you despite whatever's happening right now in your life. That's why, you know, two, three weeks ago, I talked about Song of Solomon. But like one of the main things the bride is saying to the bridegroom God, Jesus, is I'm dark, but I'm lovely. Like, and this is how you see me. I mean, that is a confident bride to say, oh, I am dark. I realize there's stuff. But in your eyes, I'm lovely. I'm lovely in your eyes. So, hey, we're done. We're done here. And I just want to encourage some of you, if you just close your eyes right now. I want you just to choose right now that you're going to stop looking at your own resume. That you're going to stop bringing that resume to God. And you're going to start looking at his resume, what he did 2,000 years ago. You know, we're living life sometimes, guys, is we're trying to get into a room. We're already in the room. We're trying to get into this thing and try to get something. And God's like, you're already there. You're already home. My son opened that door so wide for you 2,000 years ago. Enjoy. Celebrate that you're already in the room. How funny we must look trying to get into a room we're already in. And God's like, I've already done it all. You can't climb any higher anymore. You're already there. I've already accepted you. I've already forgiven you. I'm rejoicing over you today. That's what happens. When the good news gets a hold of you, no one's like, stop doing that. You don't even want to do that. You should read your Bible. No one needs to tell you. You're like, I want to go. You should go love So I don't need you. I mean, the Spirit's in me. The Spirit, the Trinity is moving through me and wants to love you. I'm not white-knuckling it and being like, oh, I'm just learning to be with God. And from that place, life flows naturally. We love you, Jesus.